0: Hey everyone, I'm Ian Skura,
1: I'm Mary Scott,
0: and I'm Peter Lawrence, and this is Questioning Quidditch. Uh, What started out as my own personal journey to learn about the Quidditch community has evolved into a broader effort to hear from voices and create thought-provoking questions to examine the sport that we love.
1: Our goal this season is to interview athletes from various regions and with different backgrounds to talk about their personal experiences with Quidditch, both on and off the pitch.
2: We hope through these conversations that we are able to build bridges between various Quidditch communities to understand what Quidditch means for folks across the Quidditch community at large.
0: And we hope you'll join us along the way as we meet new people and also interview some close friends as well.
2: This week, we talked to the amazing Natasha Sidor, a member of the leadership team of the New York Quidditch Club, also known as the Nocturnes.
1: Before helping to found the Nocturnes, she was part of the Warriors and the Rogues. Natasha is in charge of brands, marketing, and outreach for the club, and her responsibilities include website and social media management, kidditch, fundraising, and community outreach.
0: We're super excited to talk to her, so let's just jump right into the interview.
1: So um, our first question is just how did you get started playing Quidditch and like specifically what was it like joining like
3: post college? I have two introductions to Quidditch. One's an introduction and one's like a reintroduction a few years later. My first introduction to Quidditch was in high school. I believe it was 2010, so I was a junior, um, having fun with life with junior things, whatever they do. And our student council decided to put on an an event of playing Quidditch. So I like heard this on the loudspeaker at school, and I'm like, "Wow, that sounds fun! I love Harry Potter. You know, I play soccer. I'm like going to kick these nerds' butts." Uh, So I formed, (laughs) I formed a team. We only had enough people for, I think it was like four teams, and it was just maybe like 10 or 15 people on a team, and then you rotate it in on the field. because we were blue, we were Ravenclaw. And my technique for recruiting people for this team, and I had no idea how to play Quidditch, is I just went to the football team and the cross-country team, and I just got all of their best players, and I said, look, we're just going to win this thing. I have no idea how it's going to go. And they agreed somehow. Um, (laughs) We showed up, and there were no headbands to differentiate positions. Mm -hmm. I created... These like little badges that had a B or a C or a K on it, and we like clipped them to our chest. <laughs> so like that's how you could tell the position, and like you could not tell the position when you were playing. <laughs> um the hoops were hula hoops and we strung them in the air with like string and attached them to just these like really long sticks that we like planted in the ground and they never stayed for anything. Like anytime there was a goal that was made, like they would fall down. Um, so you can tell it was like quite scrappy. I think like the head of student council maybe read what Middlebury had done a few years prior and they're like, yeah, we could do this as a fun event. (laughs) I remember, so we, we get on the field and I think I was a beater and all they told me that day is like, look, you have this ball, you can hit people. And when you hit them, they have to hold their broom up lie on the ground and roll around three times and then go back to hoops and then get back in the game and i'm like what so it was brooms up right we like run we get the balls like same thing there and as a beater i had my bludger and i hit someone and they just roll and i'm like all right i'm just gonna hit everyone else because this player is obviously out of the game and then everyone's just rolling on the ground. <laughs> That's
2: oh what happened.
3: Like like just holding their broom, like rotating like belly to back. Um so this was my first introduction to Quidditch, which was just nonsense. Uh and laughter and no one knowing what was happening. We had a snitch, he hid in a car for two hours, like no one knew where he was. For um, two hours. For two- hours everyone's like where where is this like we want to end the game like no one understands what's happening so
2: y'all didn't end the game like you just kept on playing
3: Oh, no, right, so all right hold on hold up hold up hold up i'm remembering now this is a very long time ago 10 years that's crazy all right so after the rolling on the ground of the first game was obviously a terrible idea <laughs> someone made the suggestion like you know when wiffle football where like you hit it and then i don't know like you put your head on the baseball bat and you like you spin around yeah so like okay we'll do that when you get hit by the bludger which didn't help because then everyone got dizzy and no one could run um (laughs) i think someone (laughs) broke a collarbone that day somehow which is very tragic and this event never occurred at our high school again uh but team ravenclaw you know me with just the football team and cross country we won uh, it's a victory in the books. Uh, so, long story. <laughs> My introduction to Quidditch was that. Uh, and then I re found it in 2015, where I went to a New Jersey summer pickup. <laughs> And I got there and I'm like, this is not what I thought Quidditch was. Like, where's the rolling around? You know, (laughs) where's the little badges? They weren't there. Um, And that's where I actually met Christian Barnes for the first time. He, as Christian Barnes does, sat me down. It's like, hi, I'm Christian Barnes. So nice to meet you. Have you played Quidditch before? No, let me tell you how. So he explained the rules of the game to me. I still didn't understand that you could go, like, past the hoops and go behind because I played mm-hmm. soccer.
1: Yeah. So I would,
3: like, run, 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 and then stop. Everyone's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I can't go behind the hoops. Yeah. They're like, no, no, you can. Um, so once I learned that, like, I'm taking all these crazy angle shots and they're going in. I played chaser based on my, you know, previous poor beater experience in high school. Um and that is, that's how i found quidditch and i met uh yada prada that day and amanda dallas and they recruited me for the warriors wow End okay. tale <laughs> how did you yeah, that's end- an incredible story yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> fiend.
0: How, how did you end up at uh like a new york pickup or a new jersey quidditch pickup session?
3: yeah so um this was so 2015. I had just graduated college. And when I was in college, I ran this sketch comedy group called Rutgers Night Live, like Saturday Night Live. Okay. And we had musical guests. And the musical guests for one of our shows included Phil Kane, who uh, led up the Rutgers Quidditch team. Mm-hmm. So I remember like being backstage and having like phil talk about quidditch and i'm like what what is this i remember this like this was a thing and i'm like yeah it's probably still nerdy like not as fun um and then i was invited to a pickup to learn how to play and that's how i got there so i wasn't in college but it was like through a college connection that brought me to quidditch and it was in new brunswick so i was like used to that my old stomping grounds and stuff
2: awesome as, as someone who joined Quidditch post-collegiately, have you experienced any, like, have people, like, made assumptions that you played in college, or do you have any recommendations for folks who, like, didn't play in college but find the sport and are interested in, like, engaging in the community?
3: Everyone assumes I played at Rutgers. And even the Rutgers Quidditch team at a point they're like, yeah, Natasha. And I'm like, who are you? Okay, sure. <laughs> I went with it. I supported them at every tournament. Cause I'm like, yeah, you're my alma mater. I never liked the football team, but sure. Quidditch. It, it was quite a different experience. Joining straight into club. I feel like everyone, Especially in that year, like you have a lot of people who've been with the sport for such a long time. So me joining it was kind of like just being inserted into a community that you had no idea what was happening. Like you have the player level, the tournament level, and then you have like the social level as well, where somehow everyone in the country knows each other. And you're like, how does someone from New York know someone in California, but they know people in can't like all this stuff. It was so interconnected. And I remember my first few months in the sport, I was just trying to get used to how it worked because it wasn't like anything I had experienced before. And that's something um, with Nocturne's Quidditch, which I'm sure we'll speak about, is as we were going into this team, one of the things I brought to the table with leadership is, you know, the introduction um, post-college, you know, whether it's adult players or players who have, not had the opportunity to go to college, or you know, later in life, all these things. Like, what are the entry points, and how can we make club the beginning of a Quidditch journey and not the end of the journey? Um, so it's like it was a little. I feel like my experience, like I was just hit full storm, and it was completely overwhelming. Like, a complex rule book, complex like team dynamic, complex social dynamic. Um, so you know, I've tried to address that in like later years. So. <laughs> more people have like an easy onboarding experience if we use that term to Quidditch. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, wow. It was, it was a shock what this community is or was at the time. So
2: quickly tracing. So you said you got recruited for the Warriors. What's a quick like summary of Quidditch teams, clubs journey up to this point?
3: Yeah. 2015 to Hmm. 2019 i was part of the warriors program so i believe three years with warriors one year with rogues minimal involvement let me tell you i went to one regional tournament in that time i went to one world cup as a spectator i went to some practices Uh, i went to all of the social events Um, i actually lived with um Yada and Dallas for three years they became my roommates um so I was just fully immersed in all things Quidditch on and off the pitch but um and then I did Rogues that last year so 2018 to 2019 um I remember like I, I do so many things outside of Quidditch that like those those couple year periods where I was introduced to it it's like Okay, this is really fun to play sometimes, but you know, I'm in a musical for this entire month, or I'm filming a production here or this or that or concert. So it was like all of my weekend activities were like, you know, roll the dice and which one is scheduled first. Um, and after my experience with Rogues um, in 2019 is when I formed nocturnes with Tyler Walker and Christian Barnes. And how that conversation began is Christian and I were on ropes together. Um, so we formed like a really good connection there. And, you know, we had some areas of improvement for a club that we always talked about. Um, and Tyler was on Warriors and he also had some, you know, areas of improvement he wanted to address. And I remember Tyler Walker approached the conversation to me one day, like kind of like this forbidden thing to talk about, like starting a new club team in New York. How many times has it been done? Has it been successful? Has it been not? So it's kind of those like, you know, like nudge, nudge, like, hey, uh, how do you feel about starting a new team? (laughs) And I'm like, um. I don't know what's the what's the proposition because I'm not, you know, my schedule is not really for Quidditch mm-hmm. and the conversation went from there about um, how we wanted to form the team and I think we both agreed we're like Christian has to be involved like Christian knows everyone he knows what's good he knows what's bad and uh, the three of us just had a very long talk on a ride to. I think it was a fantasy tournament in Rochester that we all went to. So, like that entire car ride, we're like, all right, you know, we want a Harry Potter name. Like, we like owls. Let's make up this word nocturnes. Like, boom, that's the name. And then we decided on our tenants um, and a few things that we really wanted to include in the team was one, like, Without a doubt, this is for casual and competitive players. So kind of addressing those pain points that I experienced my first few years in Quidditch were like, it wasn't my entire life. I really enjoyed the sport, I enjoyed the people, but I didn't enjoy the commitment level. So we wanted to make sure that anyone in New York, especially as we're trying to grow past college, like we still have you know post-college players, past traditional club players, and really open it up to the community. So we wanted to address that um, kind of like outreach, so casual and competitive. Um, one of our tenants also is education, so really teaching our community how to play the sport, and this goes towards college club and expanded community players as well. So we live in you know one of the largest cities in the world. Why is Quidditch not a bigger thing in New York City? Mm-hmm. And you know one of the things in our first years we had. 98 players involved throughout our first season and it was like nearly 40 i think it was like maybe 38 who were on our competitive team and then the rest were people from new york city you know that just saw quidditch or saw our website newyorkquidditch.com plug plug um, and (laughs) found us at practice and wanted to join for a practice or a tournament or a social event so i thought that was amazing in our first year and we you know, we're able to teach all the players, not just leadership, but, you know, our casual and competitive players as well. So education, outreach, and then the third tenant that we had is accessibility. So I think accessibility is a big topic in Quidditch. Um, I've always been vocal that I think college is like a really big barrier right now for people to get involved. I think It kind of works against the funnel like we have college as our base and then club and then you go, go, go and then you're at the top of the funnel and there's nothing left to do. So I wanted to make sure that we always had that expanded where, you know, college is like it's tiny at the bottom, but your involvement only gets bigger over time. So we wanted to make sure that there were no financial barriers for getting involved um, with our team and we were able to eliminate team dues through some of our volunteer and outreach things that we did. Um, and then also working with the community. I remember before quarantine hit, uh, we were working with a neurodiverse theater company to develop like a specific Quidditch program for them and for wow. you know their actors or anyone involved. So mm-hmm. like a much different scope of Quidditch. Like we're not just a team that was going to show up, play at tournaments, be uber competitive. Like it was much more of a kind of lifestyle and a choose-your-own-adventure. So all of this occurred (laughs) during that car ride up to Rochester. We played Quidditch with new people. We had fun. Um, And then we just started promoting Nocturnes. And we had so much interest and a really fantastic first season filled with a lot of friendship and a lot of fun. Gotcha.
2: Wow. Who designed? Uh, no, you no, mentioned the I'm website. Sorry. Who designed the website and uniforms? Because I have to say, fantastic <laughs> website, fantastic <laughs> uniforms. I'm just, I, yeah.
3: Thank you. So the the website is me, um, with a lot of input, of course, from like all of our players. I always like to share things out for edits. Um, but that's that was me on the website. I I really wanted to make sure that we had one. Mm-hmm. Um, especially the name NewYorkQuidditch.com, because I'm like, all right, this is going to help us grow. Um, and it did. <laughs> like, we had so many people contacting us, you know, whether it was parents looking to host a, a Quidditch birthday party or people who saw us in the park to people who found us on Google as a, you know, alternative fitness program. Um, so that was great. And then our uniforms, um, I also designed with A-Line Apparel, So, I was able to send them um, all of our logo designs, all of the ideas that we had, and then send it over to A Line, which uh, Christian Barnes had previously worked on uh, with or worked with um, while he was on uh, the Macaulay team. Mm -hmm. And they made it. And I always wanted everything to be sleek um, because I manage all of our social, I do our website, like all of our events. And I wanted it to be like sleek and minimal. So I would have less effort and it would take me like five minutes a day to do like any promotion or any of this. And I think A-Line did a really great job um, with our uniforms and people fought me on having white uniforms. I know they get dirty, uh, but, you know, they washed really well. I made sure to ask that when we were designing them. Um, But thank you for the compliment.
2: Yeah, they're awesome. Like just get a little bleach pen and like they're fine. Like
3: they'll be exactly. good. They'll it, be was, good. <laughs> it was so funny our um, when we went to regionals this past season, you know, pristine white uniforms never worn. And I remember during our first game all of our players were so hesitant to get them dirty for the first time, you know, like blood, you're coming at me, like dodge, or, you know, I'm not going to make that tackle. And I remember we had to have a talk with some of them, like, look, it's okay. Like we want you to have fun, not worry about getting your uniforms dirty. Um, so, you know, anyone listening, who wants white uniforms, just know like it's it's a little bit of a battle internally and externally, but they look really nice in the photos. <laughs> so maybe it's worth it.
0: Um so uh you said you were kind of a big part of the community outreach um involved with Nocturnes and you talked about some of the things you were able to do and I was just curious like what tactics I mean you said um getting the website up and running. Um, but what other tactics you kind of took as a team to draw that attention and, um, kind of get that, uh, community engagement beyond just normal practices with players that would have already known what Quidditch was.
3: The website was a big one. Uh, the second biggest one were our in-person tactics. Every practice that we had, which was in New York city, um, at East river park or prospect park we had this massive beach flag um, that said New York Quidditch Club with our cute little you know, grumpy owl boy <laughs> and uh, the handle to our, all of our social media, which is you know, at NY Nocturns. And I think by simply indicating to the public, because New York City is an area that's populated with so many people. And at every practice, everyone walks by. They take photos. They ask us what Quidditch is. So I wanted to kind of capitalize on that traffic and just by telling people like in this name, like this is Quidditch, we had so much engagement with these, you know, traditional like passerbys that to the extent like the first practice that we, you know, featured this beach flag at. I got a message on like Instagram, like within that hour, of someone like, "Hey, I passed by. Can I join next week for your practice?" Like, you know, I'm running to something else, and I'm like, "It worked!" And I showed everyone on the team. I like ran around the field. I'm like, "Look at this message!" And they're like, "Natasha, it's only one," and I'm like, "That's all I needed." Um, <laughs> but that was, I think, you know, for teams listening, just especially if in you're like a really populated park area, or if you're not, you know, try to practice some place where there are a lot of people or um, you know that are around and just indicating to them that like yes this is quidditch here's how you can get involved um is really great and then another layer onto that we had some like cute swag like we had these cute little buttons and stickers and everyone on the team knew because you know we're practicing at different times people are taking water breaks like or sitting down that if anyone approached all of our players could you know go up to that person talk to them about the team, talk to them about Quidditch. And then I had this little bag of swag that everyone would just grab and then give the new person. So it wasn't like, you know, it was one person's job to do outreach. It was definitely uh, an entire effort from our team. Mm -hmm. And I think just having everyone so committed to growing the sport, not just growing the team, but like growing the Quidditch presence in New York city and you know, it, it was really nice having everyone believe in that. Um, but I, I think too, like that was another great kind of like in-person tactic that we had. Um, so again, like the website, we had our in-person tactics with the flag. Um, trying to think of some other things we did. And then just like outreach to the general Quidditch community or friends of friends, we would have themed events. One of them was like bring a friend to Quidditch, um, where all the players on our team were encouraged to bring a new friend to Quidditch. And the practice was, you know, intro to Quidditch themed with like fun partner games. So I think even like changing up your tactic to just use your own inner circle. um, I got some of my cousins to go, like some spectated, some played. And all in all, everyone loved the experience. So I think just having like a different approach to your recruiting tactics, like it's not just putting up a sign. It's not just putting something out on Facebook to the existing Quidditch community. It's getting a little more creative um, and creating something more sticky and interesting for people to get involved with. Awesome. Yeah, little side story. I
1: remember like last summer I was considering going to like one of your practices, but it like didn't quite line up with my school schedule. But I was like, you guys were giving out your like grumpy owl stickers and I'm like, oh I want one of those. Those <laughs> are so cool. Like I should go to this.
3: <laughs> we actually I just created a new Grumpy Owl sticker. Um, you've probably seen it on our social. It's like Grumpy Owl Boy on the broom, but I made that into a sticker, and um, I will send you one. Like, oh even though you can't go, like you, you can still be part of the Owl Fam. Um, yeah, Grumpy Owl Boy was the best choice I ever made with that logo. Um, my friend uh, Susie Fusco helped me design it, and she's like, "Is it too grumpy?" And I'm like, "Nah, it's perfect." So
1: cute. <laughs> Let's see, our next question is so I think we've kind of gotten into this a little bit, but um, do you think that your experience joining Quidditch like post college has helped um, to motivate like you and the Nocturnes to recruit um,
3: players from sources other than college grads? I think in part, I am only one part of the Nocturnes team. I yeah. think that's important to remember. We also have, you know, Christian Barnes as a founder who has done everything with usq iqa mlq like so involved so he he definitely brings his expertise and then we also have tyler walker who is team usa you know mlq captain all of these you know great things ball state leading them to the final four things like that so it's very interesting to see the type of different experience we brought to it and how all of us aligned on look, Quidditch has to expand past what it's already doing. And I think that really speaks to, you know, potentially the transition that the sport may undergo in the next few seasons is how we think about it differently Mm. um, and how we think about college and club Quidditch and um, what the community is comprised of. So, I mean, I definitely think I was very vocal in, you know, kind of like my introduction to Quidditch and um, some things I wanted to address with Nocturnes that, you know, hopefully, I mean, a lot of teams have reached out to me to, you know, try to emulate our tactics, whether it's creating a website or asking about, you know, how they can set up youth Quidditch events or different tactics for recruiting. So I think, you know, we have had some like ripples in the community that will continue to happen. Um, But yeah, I'm just, you know, one part of the water drop in the ocean, uh, as everyone here is, I think, you know, all of us, like Peter, Mary, and Ian, like, we all have our roles in Quidditch that, you know, we have now that can evolve in the future, so I'm, I'm happy to just be a little part of it.
0: Totally. Um, from your experiences working with, like, your whole team at Nocturnes and, and the leadership, like, you were just talking about, um, do you have any recommendations for teams, like, I guess, whether, uh, this will turn into two separate questions but like whether that's in big cities or maybe smaller areas into how they can start to reach out as as club organizations to people um in in new ways
3: i think big cities can follow some of the tactics that we've already spoken about yeah um you know just utilizing the sheer size whether it's la chicago you know austin like just naming things off the top of my head, but like Mm -hmm. use that city mass to your advantage because there are so many different, you know, living and thriving communities in there. And Quidditch is just, so fun. Like every new person I've seen play Quidditch, like I've never seen them miserable. I see them laughing. I see them like a little shy to hold a broom. I see them, you know, fumbling with the ball. But like all in all, it's a really fun time. And I think kind of like using that positive experience and spreading that like helps in big cities. In smaller cities, and I've I've had this conversation um with a few people who have reached out from other teams across the country. About Nocturne's tactics, you do have to approach it a little bit differently, especially if you're starting a new team from scratch. Um, and that new team from scratch, I think it's important to note, like, what are the benefits towards the players? You know, is that giving them a community to interact with? Is it friends? Is it physical activity? Like, what are the types of tenants of like this product? Because essentially, that's what a team is to the players. And then, in that, like how the players and the product and the team interact with the community. Um, I think the easiest place to start is just again using that inner circle of people Um, and just being, you know, someone who is just a go getter and like, look, this team is starting no matter what. Whether it's you and another person, like that's more than just you. You've already accomplished something, like, pat on the back, woohoo, one more person to Quidditch. Um, And then you continue to build it from there. but yeah, I have never been in a small city my whole life. Um, I imagine that starting a Quidditch team must be really hard. But I think if you, you know, have the right passion and drive to do it, um, you just start with one person and you get another person, and you know, one day you'll be able to compete. Or you know, maybe you plan a road trip to a fantasy tournament where you meet other Quidditch players. Who knows? Um, there's a lot of ways that you can make it fun until you know you build that substantial 20, 30 person team where you can start, you know, interacting more with the US Quidditch community. Yeah.
1: So I guess um, what goals do you and like the nocturnes in general have um, moving forward, both in
3: terms of playing, outreach, and recruitment? If it wasn't quarantine. <laughs> which it is um (laughs) asterisk so it wasn't quarantine i I, but i i do think this year will significantly change the sport i don't know to what extent yet um but it it will become very different um what our plans were for this year one we were going to add one or two Potential teams to New York uh, Quidditch Club. So, a little explanation. So, our official name is New York Quidditch Club, but we're the New York Nocturnes. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to create this because New York Quidditch Club was never supposed to be one team, it's supposed to be a hundred teams, you know, in the future, like. Twenty years from now, like it'll, you know, help, you know, manage or execute all of these different teams in New York City. There'll be a Brooklyn team, Queens team, like Manhattan, you name it. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was always the goal for New York Quidditch Club: is to make it scalable. And I think, just in our first year, we had almost a hundred people, and it was really overwhelming at a point, um, especially for our competitive team, who reached forty people. were like, we don't want to cut anyone from World Cup. We don't want to cut anyone from tournaments. So how can we make sure that you know, we're giving back to our players and they're having this experience? Um, so we were going to form an additional team for sure, maybe two additional teams, um, not as a B team, just as another team, which mm-hmm. I think would have been a very different concept for the Quidditch community as well. Um, because the typical format right now for club teams is if you grow to another point, you have your A team, you know, the superstars, and then you have your B team, everyone else um and when i was on rogues um that was one of the pain points that i had i I definitely think the rogues program will grow since i was on it um but you know rogues was treated more as like an afterthought in the warriors program um by even the sheer name of it being a warriors program so with new york quidditch club um you know we would have nocturnes we would have Team uh, X, Team Y under that. So that was something that was going to happen this year. Another thing that was going to happen this year with our asterisk quarantine theme is the introduction, name pending, because I didn't feel like thinking about it this summer, (laughs) of uh, like these mega practice concepts. And they would occur in New York City once a month And we would try to get as many local teams involved, you know, Nocturnes, uh, Dragons would have had involvement, some of the other teams in the area, um, and make it just a massive fantasy tournament once a month and promote it to New York City and get so many new people. Um, Because whenever we practice with another team, like people would watch, people would want to contribute, people would spectate. So these big, like mega practices slash fantasy tournaments would be a great experience. Um, for one, having local New York City teams, even though they're not under New York Quidditch Club right now, interact with each other, play with each other, get to have more of a camaraderie as opposed to competition. And then two, get the New York City community at large involved because of the sheer size of this event. Like it'd be 100, 200, 300 people, you know, renting out fields for this. Um, So that was something I was very excited about um, that's on the back burner. I don't think that'll happen for like probably two years, uh, based on the sizes. Um, but those would occur, yeah, either like once a month or um, once a quarter. And then we have like two more things that are going to happen. It was it was all planned out. Let me tell you that like the last meeting of the season, we talked about all these great ideas. Um, the third was more uh, volunteer outreach focused. Um, so we would still have our youth quidditch birthday parties, um, which is something that. Uh, parents are able to book with us, whether it's for elementary school, middle school, high school, um, or you know any type of age, and all of those proceeds actually went to our team to fund our tournaments, which is a reason why we didn't have to have team dues, which I think you know alleviates that financial burden. Like it's a little more work on our end. Um, so continuing with the birthday parties, uh, which we were getting booked at a fairly good frequency, um, doing some free events. Uh, focused especially towards middle and high school students because we wanted to start that Quidditch introduction earlier, which I know some other organizations were going to do as well. And then again, just developing other ideas in Quidditch, like as I mentioned before, we were um, going to partner and still are uh, once quarantine is over, um, with a neurodiverse theater company in New York City to create, you know, a specific program for them. And that also speaks to accessibility in Quidditch, right? So it doesn't always have to be for you know able of body, able of mind. And we were going to create you know a, a different program to get more people involved in the sport, um, more as like a proof of concept. So like as a one off first, trying it out, getting some feedback, seeing how we can adjust it, and then going ahead and developing it from there. So. Um, lots of outreach initiatives that were definitely on the docket still very passionate about um and still very much want to do and i think i said there were four things uh but i'm blanking i have a whole document of ideas um (laughs) that's just a little scope into some bigger ideas that college or club or you know however we're defining teams Mm -hmm. can do you know past player management and tournament management which i think is like the first hurdle to go over. Um, yeah. And our, our players were just incredibly interested and accepting and down to go with all of these ideas. And, you know, I think, you know, once we kind of fed it to them a little bit, like, come on, you got to trust me, like these things are going to be fun. Then they got excited about it too.
0: We've talked, I mean, we, we can also continue to talk about uh, the Nocturnes a lot, but just as like a quick sort of side note. So what has... Motivated you to continue playing Quidditch, um, along with like all of these roles you've taken on, um, in helping kind of organizationally with the Nocturnes or helped take on, and then also the the other things you just have going on in your life, too. Um, like what what keeps you continuing to play?
3: Yeah, this is like one percent of my life, uh, to be honest. (laughs) I know it seems like a lot, um, and it is a lot for a lot of people, um. But I'll I'll tell you a little bit about myself, and you're gonna be like, what? <laughs> um, playing for me is just fun. Like I'm not, I will never strive to be the best player. Like you will see me on that field, and I'll have like cool plays, and then you'll look at me five minutes later, and I'm a deer in headlights, and I'm like, where is the third bludger? Um, so it's either like either or like you can get me and I'm like making a scene and I'm, you know, making all these goals or I'm like beating people and then it's just like help. I don't understand what's going on. Um, so when I kind of accepted that, that I play it just for fun, um, it just made it fun like all I do all this stuff and I go to practice and Tyler Walker runs it and he runs it so well he creates this entire schedule um with Michael Gann Justin Bogart I love Justin Bogart he uh was one of the first people who started playing Quidditch he's on our leadership um and then also Sean Harrison our beater coach so they They develop, you know, practice every week, they develop tournaments to the point where me and Christian don't even think about it, we just think about bigger picture. And I think knowing the role you want to take, at least for Nocturnes, um, has made everything so much more manageable, where I don't need to focus on player strategy or reading the rule book, which I've never read. Um, I don't know half the roles still. I know nothing about analytics. I will be completely honest about that. But there's still a role in Quidditch for me. And I think that's really important. You know, you can run a podcast like y'all are doing, you can run a team, you can volunteer, you can spectate, and it's still a valid role. Um, so I think knowing what I wanted my role to be and knowing that I can evolve it really helped. My life. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Did you hear that sigh? Oh yes, very big oh, sigh. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, Quidditch is uh, is one percent. Um, it's a very, very healthy one percent. You know, so much fun. I I enjoy doing everything I do. I enjoy all this stuff. It's easy for me. It's fun. Um, I love making all of our players happy. I like making like a little splash in the community, like good or bad. You know, cause some little drama to stir things up. Like you name it. Like I, I, I like I like change, and I like kind of enacting change, and I, I think that's a fun role to have. Um, outside of Quidditch, um, I don't even know where to start. I mean, we've met my dog. He's very cute. Uh, dog mom, which is a it's a lot of work raising a puppy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> But uh, my, my full-time job, I work at Amazon, uh, Amazon Advertising, and I am a campaign and creative manager. So basically any of the largest businesses or clients you can think of who partner with Amazon, um, I execute that creatively uh, campaign-wise, whether it is on IMDB, Twitch, Amazon Prime, Whole Foods, which is fun, Um, and all of our other properties that we own. Um, So I started that in January. And before that, I was at SoulCycle um, and I led up brand partnerships and business development. Um, One of my favorite projects is when we worked with MTV for the VMAs, and they took over like every SoulCycle studio in uh, New York City and LA. And then it ended with like my entire team going to the VMAs. It was such a fun night. Um, but then I left to go to Amazon cause it's Amazon. Um, and then before that I was at a startup for four years where I began as an editorial assistant and I ended up all the way at the end of those four years as a managing partner, the director of creative marketing and our director of branded content. So you can go from nowhere to somewhere, especially at a startup. Um, and I was an English and French literature double major in college. So you have no idea where you will end up in life. Let me tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> so my career is a, a very big part of my life. Um, I'm doing a, a big career move next year that I'm really excited about. Um, so that takes up mm, maybe like 50%. So now we're at like 51 <laughs> um, <and> then, <laughs> we're 51% of my life right now. Let me tell you about the 49%. Um, so, the other 49% goes to theater. Uh, so, I'm a theater producer and a theater actress. Um, one of my more fun projects that I did before quarantine um, is an on site experiential adaption of Sleepy Hollow. Uh, At an actual village where we were able to go into like all of the different buildings. Um, So me as the producer and with our director, we developed uh, a really fun script. um, And we gave it to our actors and we we had this whole show for the month. um, And that was really fun. And then also an actress, so especially my first few years of Quidditch, I (laughs) would always have conflicts with shows on the weekends, whether Mm -hmm. it was like, you know, the month of October and November, I'm performing in Into the Woods and I can't make regionals, sorry, uh, or producing something else. Uh, So theater is a big part, Um, film is a big big part, Um, I'm a film producer, Um, I used to do that at uh, my startup, Um, worked on a few uh, online projects or TV shows, um, and then post that um, kind of more so working in like the short film space. Cool. And then uh, I'm a classically trained opera singer. Uh, what? <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so weird to say on this podcast. Yes, you. Everyone That's has so an open cool. mouth. Yeah. Um,
2: That's awesome. So That's really I cool.
3: I I don't do like solo performance anymore just because, you know, we're, we're only at 49% of my life right now. Um, but I, I am always in a choir. Um, so I was recently in the West Village Chorale Choir. Um, before that, I was in a choir in New Jersey. Um, so I'm involved in that. And then we're still in the 49%, which is coming to an end. I am also a triathlete. Um, so every summer I compete in a triathlon. Um, this year I might doing one uh at a local lake um but i love triathlons i love training for them i love running biking swimming like it is the most fun thing in the world for me um and then yeah to close it out i mean i have a social life too like <laughs> i like to <laughs> i like to go to broadway shows I like to go to bars i you know will always show up late to an event because i have so many other things going on but you know i'll i'll be there before it's over and uh, I think that closes out 100% of my life uh, that I'm sharing with a podcast. So <laughs> if anyone wants to know, like, the specifics of the percentages, you know, DM me.
2: <laughs> oh, my God. Pre-quarantine, what was the go-to show uh, in New York that people were sleeping on? Like, what was the show that people were sleeping on? At, on Broadway, off-Broadway. Okay,
3: okay. So it's it's actually a really sad story. So I saw it. I saw it the week before quarantine happened. It's six, the musical. So about all of the wives of Henry VIII. Oh. And I saw it in previews. It is Everyone must listen to this soundtrack. It is so incredibly fun. It is a concert. It is nothing like I have ever seen on Broadway. Uh, there were tweens screaming in the audience. And I'm just like, what is going on? Um, but the songs are, are so catchy, so good girl power, um, the entire cast and crew and musicians, um, all, you know, are female or non-binary, which is amazing. And the day they opened is when Broadway shut down. So none of those people Um. are technically Broadway actors or, you know, company. And it's, it's a sad story. Um, but I'm sure they'll open again, but that was, I saw that the week before, uh, quarantine happened and, you must listen to the soundtrack. You're you're gonna be in love with it. You're gonna like sing it in the shower, in the car. You're gonna walk around and you're gonna have like a favorite wife. I promise you. <laughs> okay.
1: Who wants to ask the last question?
2: Rock, paper, scissors, shoot. For oh him? my gosh. Tournament. Oh. <laughs> yes, Natasha, <laughs> if you win, you have to ask oh yourself yeah. oh the yeah. question. I'm gonna ask
3: it, okay, ready? <laughs> okay, okay ready? All rock, paper, wait, are we all going? We have to go at the same time. We do. Right. okay <laughs> wait is it rocks paper scissors shoot or and shoot
2: uh, super good question i don't uh, know i actually i have to think through what i was shoot. gonna say
3: i ain't I, just, I ain't losing this so i gotta I think know. It's just rock, rock
0: paper scissors shoot and then
3: shoot. okay okay okay.
0: No and. okay i'm scared
3: all right i'm ready i'm ready okay oh i definitely all right so i beat no this is what I was saying. I think How we do need do to move on two and
2: two.
0: That's to be like. This is, <laughs> a, Those good point. This is a good
2: point. We just decided to all play together and then <laughs> didn't realize who could get out. Uh.
3: We had we had two papers, one rock, and one scissors. All yeah, right. That's true. All right. So maybe, well, this is your podcast. You figure it out. <laughs>
2: yeah, that's a good point. <laughs>
3: <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, uh. Hmm. Mm, I, I, okay, mm. Peter, go. <laughs> Peter, go. Okay, get to. Oh, you want me to say it? Yeah. He was, okay, cool. So, the you last lost. Question, I lost. I lost. For those listening, I lost. And I thus have been cursed with asking this question. It's not, sure. not your curse.
3: You're going to get a fat tire.
2: <laughs> I'm still thinking about Terrytown. Like, of course, curses are on my mind. So, who is someone or someones who inspire you within the Quidditch community in any capacity? In, whether that is a player, as an administrator, as a coach, any of those things.
0: I guess I'm also going to add to this and say not Christian or Tyler, who you've gotten to talk about a lot already, who are fantastic members of the Quidditch community. I just, yeah, I'm curious to hear.
3: I was like know. 100% going to throw their names out again. Uh, but <laughs> I love yeah, I love both of them. I'm not, I'm not trying to
0: <laughs> discredit <laughs> either of them at all.
3: I um. hmm. There have been this summer so many new voices for the first time in all of the forums, and I'm going to cop out and say I admire all of those people because it is so hard to get your voice out in a community that doesn't mean to suppress it, but it it does a little bit. Um, So anyone with a new podcast or a new initiative or a new team or a new idea especially everything going on this summer with COVID with Black Lives Matter um, with a lot of the tumult that our country is experiencing and like having people in this relatively small community like try to do something about it I think that's really admirable so my answer would be just collectively like there's I can't even begin to name all the people like who've, who've made an effort, um, especially this year, and I think it's so important to do that and to kind of like reclaim the voices in Quidditch, because in my mind, you know, Quidditch was very scrappy at the beginning. You know, all these people kind of creating something new, um, and you build it and you build it and you have USQ and you have MLQ, um, and all of those voices like continue to get elevated into where it's something that. It's kind of established. I think there's still room to go, but it, it doesn't give the same opportunity for new and emerging college players that we have now to build something. And I think that's been a lot of like the strife that's occurred between college and club is that, you know, these older voices, or if we term them like club voices, have been running the scene. But, you know, when did college get to establish like how to run tournaments or how to volunteer or, you know, what types of initiatives we should be having? So I think especially like those voices, kind of like reclaiming the Quidditch identity and being like, it is for everyone. Like it is for all of us to contribute to with a podcast or with a team. Um, and we kind of work within this entity, which maybe this is not really a business yet, um, but it's it's more of a sport of the people right now. But it's also made everyone aware of like how, how they can contribute. It's given us time. People aren't focusing right now on winning tournaments or recruiting. Um, They're focusing on how can they contribute to this community when they can't physically be there. And that's why I think like we don't know what Quidditch is going to be, but there's been 10 times the effort into the community aspect this year than I've seen since I've been involved. I can't speak for the entirety of Quidditch, but. I've just seen so many new things and so many new ideas and conversations that are occurring. Um, so I think it's, it's given us a little bit of a gift where we can transition and evolve the sport into something else that probably wouldn't have happened if, you know, everyone wasn't inside and at home or twiddling thumbs, being scared to go outside, you know, terrified, they're going to get sick or are sick. Um, So yeah, and especially for you, like you have this great podcast and you're contributing in different ways and sharing your opinions and learning about others. And that's really (laughs) like not to get emotional, like that's what it is to live the human experience, right? Is to share and to learn and to grow. And I think that's amazing.
2: The thing that stood out to me was that community and connections were at the forefront of Natasha's relationship with Quidditch. For her, it was the people in this community that has kept her connected to it. Building these types of connections is why I was interested in joining the podcast. So it is fantastic to hear that someone making significant strides in the Quidditch community has placed a personal emphasis on community and connection.
1: I appreciated Natasha's point about making a space for people who want to play Quidditch, but don't want it to be their entire life. I agree that it can be overwhelming to be a new player in the sport when everyone seems to know all about different players all over the U.S. While I think that's something that some people really enjoy about the sport, I also think it's important to have a space in higher-level Quidditch for people who don't prioritize that.
0: Yet another aspect that stood out to me about Natasha's interview was talking about how inspired she was by people Who have invested more time into building Quidditch conversations and media in the past five months to grow the sport in new ways while we're all stuck at home. I definitely share this sentiment and am continually impressed by the number of new voices I see engage with the Quidditch community that continue to pop up and fill their own unique spaces in the community. So I hope that new voices continue to do so.
1: Thanks everyone who tuned in to our fifth episode of season two and thanks Natasha for joining us.
2: Special thanks as always to our editors, Matt and Abe, who helped put together this podcast. And also thanks to Sam and Paul for designing all of our updated logos and images for this season. Thanks again
0: for listening. And we'll catch you all again next time on Questioning Quidditch.